Welcome to Talking Biotech, the podcast dedicated to exploring the latest advancements in biotechnology, sponsored by Calabra, the R&D software that accelerates scientific discovery with AI. Each week, we'll dive into the latest innovations and discoveries with industry leaders and pioneers. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin Fulta. Welcome to the Talking Biotech Podcast. It's the weekly podcast about agriculture, medicine, and conservation with an emphasis on biotechnology, the new innovations that can help people and the planet. My name is Kevin Fulton. I'm a professor, podcast host, speaker, part-time farmer, maybe uh, other things. But one thread that we've seen emerging in the area of science has been a push for diversity, which is horribly important. And I've been really fortunate in my career to have worked in molecular biology. Um, When you work in molecular biology, you find that there really is a good ratio of males to females, that we bring in lots of people from all over the world to add to the texture of our learning environment, our research environment. And we've had a good opportunity to experience the, the benefits of a diverse work environment. However, this doesn't always apply in many areas, especially in certain scientific disciplines, as well as in our executive ranks as we move into corporate science. I'm speaking with Kimberly Gentile. She's the Senior Vice President of Clinical Operations at Biohaven Pharmaceuticals. And today we're going to talk a little bit about gender equity in the corporate ranks of pharmaceutical science. So welcome to the podcast, Kimberly. Hi, Kevin. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this is great. I really appreciate that you were able to join us in this particular topic. And as someone who is significantly high in the ranks of a corporation and who's worked for multiple companies over the years in different capacities, this is um, a really good example of of how you how you do this and some of the barriers you face. So I really am excited about talking about that. But first, let's talk about Biohaven Pharmaceuticals. What is it best known for at this point, and what does the pipeline look like? So, Kevin, right now, Biohaven Pharmaceuticals is best known for our newest drug that's on the market called Nurtec that treats migraines for both in the acute setting as well as in the prevention of migraines. Super exciting for a company and super exciting for patients. Um, We also have another migraine compound that is an intranasal version of a, a CGRP antagonist, and it actually is shown to work ultra fast in 15 minutes. It will actually start to take away patients' migraines. So those are the, the two medications that we're best known for right now in the marketplace. So most of the products that you're producing appear to have uh, neurological impacts. Yes, our company really is focused. We're focused on the science for really anything that looks opportunistic and can help patients with rare and and debilitating diseases. But right now, the drugs that are in our pipeline are either for neurology or psychiatry. So we have a few medications that we're testing in things like ALS, multi-system atrophy, OCD, spinal cerebellar ataxia. It really is Biohaven's niche to look at things in the the neuropsychiatric um, avenues of research. Okay, well, red hot area. And we've had a few folks on in in these areas on the podcast in the past. But today we really want to focus on the question of diversity and equity in the workplace, especially in the senior ranks of executive science. And 
in the past, I've had a couple guests on that we've touched on this. And for folks interested in these topics, um, Maxine Thompson, uh, episode 117, talked about her uh, coming coming into science as a woman in plant breeding in the 1960s. Also, Dr. Linda Bartoshuk, who's an expert in taste and smell, who uh, talked about her experiences as a young woman faculty member at an elite institution um, and, and what happened there. But we haven't touched on anything outside of academia. So we'll get to that today. So Kim, I'd really like to start by talking about the general composition. When you look at even uh, you know even your company's website, a lot of gray-haired old guys, <laughs> and <laughs> and then you. No, actually, your, your your company has quite a few women. Um, but when you look across just the page of you know who is our executive leadership, it's a, a lot of gray-haired old guys. So, you know, how did we get here? And, and what is the what is the general composition of most corporations, uh, say in pharmaceuticals? So I think I think you make a good point. I think you know if you look back when I started my career in the, the late '80s, definitely a male-dominated field. I think over the last 30 years or so, though, it, it really is starting to change. And I think you know I think it follows along a little bit with the culture. You know, in the '50s and '60s, women really did stay at home, right? And then you know as as the culture kind of shifted, women got more into the workforce. So you're seeing it. More and more. I mean, our chief medical officer is a female. She's fantastic. Great. She's the best, best um, MD I've ever worked with in my career. And you look across some of these other companies and you are st start to, starting to see more chief medical officers, chief financial officers, even some CEOs that are female. So I think you're right. There is more um, male dominated in the higher ranks of these companies. But I think, I think a lot of companies, including Biohaven, are doing a really good job of training women and empowering women to, you know, learn as much as they can and move up within the company. So I think that there's still some work to do, but I, I do believe watching it over the last 30 years, it's, it's, it's improved a lot. And there's a lot of um, women in, in high roles that are super important to especially small and medium sized biotech. And do executives in the areas of pharmaceuticals, are they usually homegrown? So you, someone recognizes some talent of somebody within the company and they get promoted into these positions? Or are these kind of headhunter positions where, uh, or headhunted positions where they're looking for somebody to be the CEO of or CSO or whatever, and that they uh, go out and find somebody at another company and bring them in? You know, I think it's probably a little bit of both. So, you know, I've worked in big pharmaceutical companies that um, they did have to go out to hunt hunters. Sometimes it's hard to get those very high level positions to move around as much. But I think in the smaller and the medium sized settings, it's a little bit of both. I know for Biohaven, we've had really good luck with people that people know. So our, we have a really great network because we have people that worked in big pharma. My group is about 40 people and everyone in my group is someone that either I know, knew or worked with personally or someone that is in our group knew or worked with personally. So that's really um, fostered hiring really, really driven people that really fit the culture of the company. And I think, I think successful companies do a little bit of both. I think sometimes you, you're looking to fill a gap that you don't have internally, but I think it's really important to elevate the people you have internally because you hire them and they fit your culture and they can carry that with them as they grow into new opportunities. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, I, I know, I, and I think that there's some value to that. You know, kind of raising people within that within the culture of that company, especially if you have a good progressive culture that is really thinking about issues of equity and diversity. Absolutely, and and I think some companies, the leadership of the company that comes organically. I know the leadership in our company. We don't have to talk about diversity because it, it's it's organic. It just happens. The best people for the job get the jobs that they're best fit for. I think there's probably other companies that do have to do a little self-introspection and just make sure that they are being a little bit diverse, especially in the era we are right now in 2021. Yeah, I agree. I think it's kind of funny. It's always been curious to me, and I'm I'm the actually the chair of our uh, equity and diversity and inclusion group at the university, and. Diversity and equity are actually very different concepts. One says that everybody's the same or there's equality. The other one says that it's diversity that we need to be sensitive to because there's strength in that. But right. equality, what they're really saying is equal access and equal consideration and that there is diversity and that it's important. And so when you talk about questions of um, of maybe aggressively promoting women in a workplace that's mostly male heavy is the value of that also because women just look at things differently than guys do. Yeah. I think, I think actually everybody brings something different to the table. Right. And I think that um, women definitely just have a different, they come from a different place than some of the men there in, in these higher positions. So I think you just need the, that diversity no matter what, even to your earlier question about, you know, uh, promoting within or bringing people from the outside. You don't want a company that's all from the outside. It, your culture is not the same. You also don't want it from everybody that's just inside because you need that, that those new thoughts, those new, new ideas, that, that those new things that you want to be able to say, Hey, let's talk about this. Maybe we can do it a different way. So I think that that speaks to gender, to culture, to where people come from different companies. You know, I think it all kind of plays together to make a, a company successful at, at all of that. And do you think that the reason that the numbers are shifted now, you mentioned earlier that part of this is part of our national culture that, you know, that it takes a long time to climb to the executive ranks of a company, you know, it takes decades. So when women were feeling a predominantly home associated role, that they weren't on the first rungs of that ladder. So it's going to take a lot longer to correct that problem. But or I shouldn't say problem, but it's going to take a while to, to correct that difference. But do you think that there still is a problem with discrimination? You know, I've never personally felt discriminated against because I was a woman, but it's probably out there in some instances. Um, but I, I've never, I've, I've been really lucky to be in places throughout my entire career where um, I never felt that. But I do think that, you know, women, it has taken a longer time for women to um, get out of the, the home and into the workplace more. But I do think companies are are more um, welcoming of that. And it's funny, you know, I have a lot of friends. I, I probably have three or four people that I personally know, including myself, where we had stay-at-home dads for a while so that we could do that. You know, the 50s and 60s, that was unheard of. So I think it's great that that the companies are welcoming of that, that, you know, people like myself, our husbands are, you know, do that. This is great for your career and we can make a change of how we're handling things. So I think, you know, I think there's less discrimination because I think there's probably more opportunities for women to be able to do things like that. There's also companies seem to be a little bit better sometimes about 
um, different opportunities for daycare, different flexibility. Work-life balance is super important to women and men when you're you're bringing up children or caring for your parents, you know. But I think that that's opening up slowly, probably than we more slowly than we may like it like it to. But just seeing that progression from where we were to where we are now is fantastic. I guess that was my next question. You know, are there companies that are actually uh, feeling more value of having women in higher positions that are actively recruiting and, and trying to correct those inequities? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we do it. I do it myself. I mean, my group is, it's funny. It's, you know, the industry, the high level in the industry is male dominated. My group, totally female dominated. There's mostly women in my group. I think I have five men out of 40. Not because I'm discriminating against men, but because it's just the role that we 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 function at at Biohaven and in a lot of pharmaceutical companies in clinical operations. It it really does attract the women, but we really try to make it okay for you know we have women that have little babies, big babies, high school kids, college kids, parents that they're caring for. So we're really trying to make it adaptable so that you know, you can't hold it against someone because they have to leave at noon because their child's sick. You know, that's not even a, a question. Continue to work, continue to get opportunities, continue to get different experiences to move up in the ranks, whether it's at Biohaven or whether it's somewhere else, because I think it's really important. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Even in my laboratory, it's been mostly women. And we had um, my technician retired after 30 years of service in the university system. And uh, we had everybody she worked with come back on zoom so everybody she's worked with for the last couple of decades and they but it just dropped in surprise party you know electronic covid surprise yeah. party and it was really awesome to see that it wasn't just you know it was more females than males but also the diversity of, of students that we've had from all over the world and you know, it really does give you a handle that the strongest it gives you an idea of the strength that that lends to an operation and uh, you know, that's just kind of part of my story in that, that we didn't try to do that. It just right. happened organically. It just happens. Yep, absolutely. I agree. We're speaking with Kimberly Gentile. She's a Senior Vice President of Clinical Operations at Biohaven Pharmaceuticals. What does a Senior Vice President of Clinical Operations do? Everything. So we, I do everything. So, you know, at our company, which I love our company for, the title doesn't really matter. We get in the weeds and what, we, we run the clinical trials. So all of the medications that we're studying, my team operationalizes those. They work with the doctors globally or all over the U.S. to run the clinical trials in the way that they're supposed to be run according to FDA regulations. So our team really gets all of these drugs through clinical trials and into patients that need them. And then once those clinical trials are done and our drugs are FDA approved, then our commercial team takes over and goes out and, and tries to get it to the patients that need it in a commercial way through, through insurance and things. But our team really is boots on the ground, working really hard to get these medications to people um, and hopefully as an, in as an expedited manner as possible. No, very good. And we should talk about that another time, too, because that, that's a that process and the fact that COVID ch may have changed that a little bit to show that we can do things a little bit more quickly, you know, when there's people in need. Um, but that's a topic for another day. We're, we're I could talk, talk about that forever. You need a couple hours for that one. But it is. It's, it's super exciting what we do. Very good. Well, this is the Talking Biotech Podcast. We'll be back in just a moment. There's a lot of talk about academic freedom, especially at one institution. Academic freedom is a promise. 
that allows scholars to pursue research, teaching, and outreach in their area of expertise, immune from censorship or retaliation. In the case of the Talking Biotech podcast, some have interpreted this to mean that this podcast shall experience freedom from academic ties. Other universities have offered to host this fine scholarly information exchange. So thanks to you for recognizing its value as a conduit of scholarly information. Universities should be applauding the use of modern platforms to disseminate scientific knowledge in addition to the egghead journals and traditional media. However, this demonic vector of information was deemed unfit for the university outreach from which it came. In November of 2019, it was ordered to be shut down forever. Today, this podcast comes to you because it is performed as, in quotes, outside work. Every July, Fulta files paperwork to be allowed to create this dangerous vehicle on his own time, his own dime. With a little love from those of you on Patreon, it's easy to see why this would not be welcome under a university's banner. With such controversial topics as olive breeding, women in STEM, virus-resistant cassava, and new ways to produce insulin. <laughs> so please remember that this podcast is not a product of the University of Florida and does not reflect the views of its faculty, staff, or students. But it is science, so it probably does. But we can't say it does, so it doesn't. It reflects the personal feelings of Dr. Kevin Folta, who believes that academic freedom shall not be infringed, unless threatened with disciplinary action or termination. And now back to the independent Talking Biotech podcast. And now we're back on the Talking Biotech Podcast. We're speaking with Kimberly Gentile. She's the Senior Vice President for Clinical Operations and does everything at BioHaven Pharmaceuticals. <laughs> um, we were previously speaking about the corporate environment, how we got there, and uh, how it's changing. But really, we'd like to kind of dig into your own personal experience. You know, we looked at your LinkedIn page. You've been with a couple different companies over the years. And what barriers did you personally experience in your transition through the industry's higher ranks? So, you no, know, I, I think I, I, I like to call them not barriers, I like to call them opportunities. So you always run into things where either, you know, maybe you don't get a position because you don't have the experience or, you know, something just in your day-to-day -day job, you're like, holy cow, how do I handle this? So I don't find them barriers, I find them opportunities. And I think every opportunity, you have to figure it out and get through it and then those learnings brings you to your next role. So if, if, you, if I look over my career, I've done all sorts of different things. Some of them I've loved, some of them early in my career, maybe didn't love them as much. But when I look back, they all played a role in where I am and how I got here. So I think really just um, 
taking all those experiences, even if they're, even if you feel as them as barriers and figuring how do I get over that barrier? Maybe this is an opportunity to do something new or do something out of my comfort zone. And I think I've been successful because I'm, I'm very open to thinking about, all right, this isn't going to stop me. Bring it on. Let's figure out how we get through it and, and just get to the next barrier. You're right. Right. That's kind of part of life. Um, you're always going to come up against things that you're going to have to struggle through, but I think they make you better at who you are and what you're doing. And I know from my career in pharmaceutical industry, that's definitely been the case. Well, even today, are there specific issues that maybe you have to deal with that your male counterparts do not? At Biohaven, I, I can't say that that is true. I feel like um, we're all dealing with the same issues, whether it's how to get drugs to patients, how to work with the FDA and the other regulators throughout the world. I don't feel like it's a gender thing um, that may or may not be specific to the company that I'm in because our, our, our company is just fantastic and that doesn't come into play. So it's hard to speak to. Yeah, I understand that. You know, it's it's it's, but we still suspect that these things exist, and it seems like family is a big part of it. And you know, women who are you know, you you come out of uh, out of your early years with a company, you're starting to ascend where it's becoming more time intensive, and these are women with childbearing aspirations. This really starts to infringe upon that family idea. And so, how are companies helping to deal with that? And is it really a problem in certain companies? I think it's definitely a problem. It's probably a, a problem for both men and women, depending on who's real, doing uh, the majority of the child rearing in any given household. But it's it's definitely a problem, and I but I do think it's getting better. Um, you know, I I had young children when I left my big pharma company. My my children were in elementary school, and you know it was a huge risk. I was taking a huge risk. I was the first employee of Biohaven. There was no one around. Even our CEO was still at the big pharma company where I met him. Um, so it is a balance, but I think the companies that do it well, um, you know, offer things like flexible time. They, they're real, they real, I, I believe personally, and, and I know it comes from my company in the top down that people need that time with their families. They need to not be stressing about the things that are happening outside of work to be able to be good at their job. Um, so I think the better the companies are at that, the better the employees are and the better, especially women, because, you know, whatever anyone says, they do do a lot of the child rearing, whether, whether they take it upon themselves like me, I'm just going to do it anyway. But, you know, it kind of just happens like that. So it is nice to be able to work for companies that have a little more flexibility, that um, have a place to bring your children if you need to, that don't worry about days off and vacation time and sick time because everybody works so hard. They can make up that time somewhere else. And there are companies that definitely do it better than others. The big pharma company I was in before I came to Biohaven was for you know five or 10 years that I was there touted as one of the top 10 companies for women. And, and I could see that while I was there. So I think the companies that really are successful at promoting women to higher roles are the companies that give some flexibility and some support and understand that their family is just important as their job. Well, we have a lot of women that listen and probably quite a few that are younger early in their careers. A lot of graduate students and postdocs listen. And is there good advice as to questions they might ask upon interviewing with a company to kind of assess what their environment is like for uh, ascent through the company ranks as a woman, but also those types of uh things that a company can do to help accommodate those kind of life changes and life events? 
Yeah, I think those were important questions. And I know when I when I interview anyone, whether it was here at previous jobs, I always did, you know, my questions to them. And then I spent the second half of the interview saying, what what questions do you have for me? Because I think it's a it's a two way interview always when you're going into a new company. But I think asking what what the, the, the policy is for flexible time off, what the policy is. And, and if the company is good at what they do, they won't take that the wrong way, right? It's really important for women and even men, any gender, to, to know what they're getting into and what opportunities they offer them um, within the company for things like that. But there are questions to ask. A lot of it has to do around, um, you know, your core hours. Some companies are very strict about core hours. Some companies are very strict about their vacation time. The less strict companies are about those things, I think the more opportunity you have to have some flexibility in your role. Yeah, I think that's one silver lining of the COVID epidemic is that we really did learn that we can get things done when we're not sitting in our cubicle. Absolutely. Absolutely. You yeah, gotta look for silver linings in the pandemic, and that's definitely one of them. <laughs> it's very true. I, I, I'm really amazed at how I look at last year and it was one of my more productive years in terms of publication. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I was, you know in, I was in my my office yesterday, and I had been there a couple times this week because we had a couple meetings that we wanted to be in person. But we were saying, "Oh my goodness, we need to get home to get some work done." <laughs> <laughs> but, but definitely but, true, and I think I, that that helps people with families, whether they're parents or kids. Um, their employers now know that, hey, they actually can get the job done with their kids home, right? That's a huge eye-opening thing for some companies. I agree. I think that it's a huge plus because it it really was, I can think of so many times when I had somebody in the laboratory who was torn between finishing her experiment and the dedication to the work and the fact that her daughter isn't feeling well at daycare. Right. It's it's, it's heartbreaking, right? <laughs> it, it really is because these are professionals who want to do their work and, and you know, excel in their area who maybe have a clock running on their own you know, uh, position. Yep. And now it gives them this kind of opportunity. And I'm really happy to see more and more of this as we go forward. Yeah, um, me too. But what about advice to early career individuals? So what are some skills or maybe some classes that maybe would make a big difference for uh, women in science to be able to navigate the system more strategically and maybe getting away from the science classes and focusing on some other skills that may help them be better negotiators and uh, be better at overcoming if they do hit barriers, getting through them. Yeah, I think that's really important. And Biohaven has a really um, large, very large and overwhelming um, internship program. So every summer we have 30 to 40, sometimes upwards of 50 interns from anywhere from high school age all the way through postdoc, whether it's, you know, pharmacy or medicine or, or PhD programs and, and everywhere in between. And it, it, first of all, it's awesome to see all the women that are going for things like in the STEM, in the STEM area, right? Like the biology majors, the chemistry majors, the biomedical engineering majors. It's super cool that there's so many of them. But I think I, I always try to, um, we meet with them every summer and, and I, I have offhanded meetings with a lot of them. They'll just kind of set up time to meet with us and talk about how we got where we were. And I think, you know, the biggest thing I say to them is take every opportunity that you have, whether it's small or big, you know, seek out the people. And I, I've, I've been lucky in my career and been able to do this, that you think are good leaders. So I've, I've had the ability to watch some really great leaders and be mentored by them. And they're not going to come to you and say, Hey, can I mentor you? You need to do it on yourself. You need to seek out those opportunities for yourself. So I always talk to them about that. I also talk to them about, you know, every job, no matter how small you think it is at the time, 
is, is going to be a building block for all the things you learn. And to my perception is to be a really good leader at what you've done, you have to have done what the people below you do. Because if you don't, you just don't understand. So I, the people that work in my group, I've done every job that they've done. And I think that makes me a better leader of them because I get what they're coming from. So I think that's what I try to tell them. You know, it helps you navigate the system. It helps you, you in that you get from watching really good people in the way that they do it. And the more you're in different businesses in different places, you you know the people that do it well. It, it's crystal clear. So you can kind of pick up the things that they do really well. And then the people that don't do it so well, maybe you stay away from those behaviors. So I think I, I try to tell them to take every opportunity that you can. Go outside your comfort zone. That's huge. Um, if you're always comfortable, then you're doing something wrong. You always have to be a little comfortable once, uncomfortable once in a while. I think it really gives you some ability to learn about yourself and how you can um, function, like you said, when those barriers come up, because those are always the most uncomfortable times. Yeah, the two words that I always teach my students is exceed expectations. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, I, I, I almost want to get that tattooed on my forehead at this point. <laughs> I know. I have two, I have two teenagers. I wish they would listen to me. <laughs> oh, they won't. No, they, they won't. <laughs> no, they, they, they won't listen to you now, but someday they'll realize that you were right. Exactly. And that's all it's about. <laughs> One day they'll say, wow, my mom did know what she was talking about. <laughs> So if people wanted to follow you or learn more about, uh, you know, what you do or maybe see items that you've written or shared, where would they look? Um, they could look on LinkedIn. And most of our stuff right now is posted at, at Biohaven Pharma um, on Twitter. And we also have a Biohaven Pharmaceuticals LinkedIn account. And um, there's a lot of things that are posted. Um, some of the things I've written are posted there as well as other people within our company. Yeah, you, I remember you telling me about uh, an interesting meme that was put up about uh, employee retention. Yeah, absolutely. Employee retention is key, right? You want you want to keep people, you want to keep them engaged, you want to keep them happy, you want to give them opportunities. And I did see a meme, I think it was on LinkedIn, where it was a conversation between a CMO and a CFO, and the CFO was complaining to the CEO about what why are we spending so much money in training our employees? What if they leave? And the CEO's response was, well, what if they stay? And that's so important. And that's kind of my mantra. We want to train people so that they're successful for themselves, so that it's successful for our job, we're successful for Biohaven. And the best, the best way to do that is to continue to give them opportunities and train them. And if they leave, the worst thing is they take that somewhere else and, and make another company successful. I think we, we are all in medicine and pharmaceutical industry for a reason and, and ultimately it's to help patients so whether they do it here or someone else at least at least if you're training them you know they're doing it right well and another big part of that is our topic today that when they grow up through a culture where gender equity is appreciated they're likely to take that somewhere else and create that change in a place where maybe it's not absolutely super important to have that culture shift to somewhere else the culture of a company really from the top down it plays a huge role in that well, Kimberly Gentile, thank you so much for your time today. This was a really good episode, and I appreciate that you were able to talk to me. Thanks so much, Kevin. Thank you so much for having me. And as always, thank you for listening to the Talking Biotech Podcast. Share this episode with people who you think need to hear it. Uh, be sure to join us on Twitter for the further discussions around this topic and all the topics at the Talking Biotech Podcast. Uh, you can send us a little love on Patreon to help us spread the word. And the numbers keep growing as we move towards 2 million downloads. This is the Talking Biotech Podcast, and we'll talk to you again next week.
The Talking Biotech Podcast reflects the personal views of Dr. Kevin Fulta and its guests. These are not the views of the University of Florida, its faculty, staff, or students. But after all, it is science, so they probably are, but it has to be clear that there is no university affiliation with this podcast, which is a damn shame, but I guess that's how it goes. So feel free to share this science communication effort, recommend guests, and support us with a few shekels over on Patreon. We invest all funds back into promotion of the podcast to widen the audience, enhance production, and expand science communication efforts in many ways. Thank you for listening to the Talking Biotech Podcast. You've been listening to Talking Biotech, sponsored by Calabra, the platform that bridges the gap between siloed research tools. With Calabra's electronic lab notebook, scientists can work together in real time, sharing data and insights with ease. Revolutionize your research collaboration. Sign up for a demo today at calabra.app, C-O-L-A-B-R-A dot A-P-P.